Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today with Rachel Shepard, Director of Ventures for Mars Pet Care. Hi, Rachel, and welcome. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. In case you've not met Rachel or heard of Leap Venture Studio, here's what you need to know. Her career is a fun mix of veterinary meets entrepreneurship. She studied animal science and management at the University of California, Davis, where she was pre-veterinary medicine. She spent a total of three years working as a veterinary assistant before going to get her MBA at Santa Clara University with a focus in entrepreneurship. Her career has since been a mix of working at small and medium-sized companies, but always finding herself drawn to innovative groups and growth stages. Prior to her role at Mars, she was the Director of Global Marketing at a Pre-Seed Accelerator program where she led growth strategies and co-created the Female Founder Initiative to help more women launch companies around the world. Today at Mars Pet Care, she co-leads the Leap Venture Studio program. In addition to running the program, she also supports a portfolio of 40 companies and finds unique ways to provide value and create connection between Mars Pet Care and the 1,200-plus startups in their global community. The Leap Venture Studio program is a partnership between Mars Pet Care, the largest pet care organization in the world, leading animal welfare organization Michelson Found Animals, and world-class services platform RGA Ventures. It is the world's first accelerator focused exclusively on investing in early stage and seed stage pet care companies to improve the quality of life for both pets and their owners. Rachel's leadership position within LEAP, as well as her unique knowledge of emerging pet businesses and overall dedication to the pet landscape, is why I brought her on today to answer this question. Where is innovation coming from in the pet food industry? And I know that I just gave a little bit of a summary about what Leap Venture Studio is, but I want to dive a little bit more into its history and why it was created and why Mars in particular wanted to be involved. So can you give me a little bit more background on Leap Venture? For sure, Lindsay. So Mars Pet Care and Michelson Found Animals are actually leaders from both organizations that happened to have sat next to each other at a conference and both had this vision for supporting pet care startups in the future. Both organizations believe that a pet care specific accelerator with very targeted support for growing the network of early stage entrepreneurs and working with innovative solutions to support pet parent challenges in the future was something that the industry really needed. And so they decided to partner together to help more pet care startups accelerate and grow and get follow on investment as well, and really try to foster an entrepreneurial environment for pet care startups. It's such an interesting thing for such a large company to get involved in because obviously Mars is incredibly well known in the industry, probably one of the cornerstones, I would say, that is running the industry. A lot of brands, a lot of history there. What in particular do you think drew Mars into the idea of bringing essentially new blood into the industry when they're such an established brand and really have a rich history there in the space? I really think at the end of the day, it's about getting back to our mission, which is creating a better world for pets. And I think a better world for pets, there are a lot of ways that Mars works on that internally. There's a lot of things that we have in our portfolio that can support creating a better world for pets. But there's also a lot of things that people can do that 
aren't necessarily in our wheelhouse and or aren't necessarily our core competencies. And so it's really great to have an opportunity to support startups who are looking more further down the road, maybe than we are, or have a certain type of expertise that we don't have internally, but are helping all of us reach this goal of creating a better world for pets. Because at the end of the day, we're all here to support them. So that's, I think, what is drawing Mars in and, and also keeping us engaged in supporting pet care startups in the long run as well. I think it gives you a very close up perspective of what could be happening in the space and where the innovation lies, because you're always in front of these new companies who are trying to do new things and differentiate themselves in an industry that frankly is super saturated. And sometimes it can feel like everybody has done everything and there's nothing new under the sun. What have been a couple of the big trends you've seen in the last few years from these startups in the pet space? What new things are they trying to do? I love this question because this question is what makes this job so much fun. Your listeners will be very familiar on the nutrition side of things, right? Which is that we're seeing a lot of trends in sustainability, alternative proteins, things like that. How do we make pet parenthood more sustainable long-term? And also personalization, right? Pet parents want to provide the right food for their pet. I have two dogs myself. I feed them two different foods, for example. So there's always new ways for brands to support pet parents in personalization for their pet's nutrition. So those are two big trends we've seen. You've even talked to one of our portfolio companies, Native Pet, for example, who's working on the supplement side and helping pet parents support digestive health individually. But then there's some more solutions that have popped up that I think are really interesting that we've seen grow in the last few years, like solutions designed to support pet parenthood in general. So I would say that falls sometimes under the services category of ways and opportunities to get your pets to get enough exercise during the day while you're working. So we invested in a company called Borrow My Doggy in the UK, which really kind of creates a pack, if you will, for your dog. So your dog actually has a group of people who are helping take care of your pet. So you may have a neighbor who walks your pet pretty regularly, or you may have a few neighbors who walk your pet or spend time with them pretty regularly, in this case, your dog specifically. And I think that's such a cool way to think about how community can support pet parenthood and how maybe it takes a village more so than we think, but really can help pet parents continue to provide their pets with like the best life possible and everything that they want, but also be able to go to work and do their work full time and meet all their other obligations as well. We also invested in another company called Dog Drop, which is scaling across the U.S. and is providing doggy daycare opportunities for pet parents as well. So I would say those different types of services can be really important. Also seen an increase in training apps and other types of training solutions to help pets and pet parents better communicate, I think, in some ways, and also really kind of help people adopt more pets and also make those adoptions as successful as possible. Because that's, I think, a big part of not just adoption success, but also pet mental health and physical health is really also training is a big part of that, right? So the, that mental stimulation and that challenge. So that's a category we've seen grow. Two that I get a little bit interested in based on my background in veterinary medicine are some veterinary focused solutions, which some of those are sometimes things that are sort of matching consumer behavior with veterinary models. That would be something like MixLab, which is providing delivery of compounding pharmacy medications to pet parents. And then there are some things that are really supporting the veterinary staff and really kind of thinking about how do we make veterinary medicine like the best possible place to work, right? So that we're not seeing high turnover or burnout from the industry and solutions like Hound are working on things like that. 
There's also a lot of growth in diagnostics. So we just made two investments in Oncotect and miRNA diagnostics, which are both looking at how do we catch disease much sooner in pets, whether that's cancer or cardiac disease. What are we missing right now that is going to allow us to help do more of that, not just in clinic, but also at home? How can we help equip pet parents with those tools in the future as well? Those are some things that we've seen grow to date. There are three things that I can think about that are like, what do I look for in the future, which is for future programs and future investments. I think anything that surrounds pet health and like better understanding our pet's health and better understanding the nuances of that, whether that's mental health or nutrition or physical health or senior health, I think all of those things are going to become very much more important in the future. I think cats continue to be underserved in terms of solutions for cats and cat health in particular. And so that's a a category we're always looking toward. And then something I feel strongly about and I also think about a lot is affordability and accessibility of pet parenthood. So for example, really with accessibility, I think about things like even like language. I think about the number of pets who, you know, there's a high number of pets in the United States who don't have veterinary care at all. And is some of that because of language barriers or is some of that because of financial barriers or physical barriers? And how do we continue to find solutions to make that more and more and more accessible? So that's something I think about a lot. And then the second part about that is affordability, which is having a pet is such a joyful experience. My dogs are the center of my universe, you know? And so at the end of the day, how do we make sure that no matter what, if the person's able to provide their pet with the loving home and the food and shelter and water that they need and the basic veterinary care, how do we make that accessible at a reasonable price point? So those are some things I think about for the future. A lot of that sounds so deeply collaborative, like a determination to break down silos between the veterinary profession and accessibility to that, between pet owners and vets, between pet owners and food or products or just being able to own a pet, do you think that comes along naturally with the rise of humanization in pets as people want to be more involved in their pets' lives and we're trying to respond to that? I do think that's definitely one of the tailwinds, really, that our industry is facing is that pet parents don't want to be a average pet parent. They want to be an excellent pet parent. And in the information age, that's in theory possible across the board of how we think about their health and nutrition and what you provide them in terms of training and physical activity and veterinary care. I think the trend of humanization of pets definitely does carry us forward and will influence the solutions we'll see. To your point about collaboration, I think that's really the underlying thread of why Leap exists to the earlier part of our conversation is we know that we can't do this alone, create a better world for pets. We all need to be collectively working on that. But also, I think it gives a huge opportunity for the industry and the different stakeholders to think about where the solutions really meet. And by that, I mean... There is obviously, when we look at the pet care industry stakeholders, we have a lot of different people involved in that. We have investors, we have veterinarians, we have the pet parents, we have the pets themselves. We also have researchers and universities. There's a lot of different entities that play into pet parenthood and ultimately influence pet health in general. So how do we get all of these solutions to collaborate together so that we're constantly working towards creating more accessibility, creating a better pet health outcomes, and creating more longevity and quality of life for the pets that we care for as well. So Leap Venture Studio was founded in 2018. And I'm wondering 
how things have changed since you started. Are you able to work with more startup companies? Have the nature of the startup companies changed? What were some of the first companies you worked with and what were they doing compared to what you're seeing now? To clarify just a little bit, one asterisk is that I've been running the Leap Venture Studio program for the almost two years now. And so it's been a, around for five. And so there was a time before my time that I think something that's important to those earlier cohorts is rewind five years ago, I think we were looking at a lot of innovation in nutrition. And I think that continues to sort of change and evolve over time. I think some additional categories that have come into play have been a focus on the pet parents being more involved in their pet's health. So what we just talked about, that humanization aspect is really, I think, driving a lot of things to come to market to begin with. It's people from outside the pet care industry start to experience their own pain points and come in as founders and are like, I'd love to solve this problem because I have it for myself and for my own pet. I think secondarily to that, of course, there is this focus on sustainability, which continues to be a very common thread. I think that that's ramping up over time. I would say there's also two other obvious things, but they're definitely driving things and changing how we're seeing innovation come to market. One is, of course, the pandemic and COVID pressures, which changed consumers' behavior. And I think, at least from my perspective, we're still trying to figure out where that consumer behavior lands exactly. Omnichannel has become a lot more pressing, right, for a lot of startups very early on, because I think people just don't shop in the same way they used to. And I don't know if we've said for sure that the trends are going one way or another. It's just like people want to have options. So we have to meet consumers where they are. And I think that drives a lot of change. I think particularly when we think about veterinary industry, that also has changed things a lot because there was a lot of wait times and things like that that people went through during COVID that created an opportunity for new veterinary models, but also at the same time created an opportunity for us to say, how can we equip this industry with as much technology as possible and that it keeps pet health outcomes at the highest possible opportunity, meaning like that we keep pets as healthy as possible, but also how do we match consumer behavior that's rapidly changing and expectations and user experiences. Of course, there's the macroeconomic issues, which are more acute and have been more pressing in the last 12 months almost at this point. But I think the biggest part to think about there is how does that affect startups and their ability to fundraise at the end of the day? So that kind of, you know, is something that's a little more broad startup focus, but it is something that we're thinking about pretty regularly is I think that will affect how startups are able to scale. And also, are we in a position where we're willing to assume that that follow-on capital will be there like it was a few years ago? So I think those are some things that influence our investment decisions, not just the decisions associated with the solution the company is bringing to market, if that makes sense. I think that's really interesting because you're playing a little bit of a crystal ball game, figuring out whether to work with these companies and help bring them to the next stage of things. And there's so much going on right now in the industry, and there really is a lot of change happening. What are those conversations like? Are some of them, this is such an amazing idea, we really want to take a risk on these guys, even though we don't really know how it's going to play out? Or what is the mix of trying to play it safe versus really wanting to back the innovation that will move the industry forward? That's a lovely question. So I'll talk about I don't want to speak for everyone on the Leap Venture Studios investment committee or on the leadership team, but I will talk about how I think about evaluating companies at these different stages. So for example, if we're looking at a company that is a little more of a crowded space, so let's say, for example, we've seen a lot of solutions come out in this space, in this segment of pet care, 
So we're going to really need to see some differentiation. We may expect more on the traction side. We may expect better unit economics. And we may expect them to come also with some sort of differentiator, right? Whatever that is, it has to be a little bit unique, a little bit different. Those pressures are higher the more solutions we've seen in that segment of pet care. Then there is the segment of pet care where we sort of look about, okay, what do we see that we haven't seen a lot of solutions yet? We see a lot of pitch decks. We see a lot of applications. This is new and different. In those cases, we may feel more comfortable making a bigger quote unquote bet and making that investment a little bit sooner and with fewer data points available to say that the market is ready to take this on and it's going to be successful and scale. And really, that's only because we haven't seen as many solutions. So the competitive landscape looks a little bit different. And I think we've done a good job of balancing all of that to date. And we'll continue to try to do that in the future as well, which is what are we seeing change from a consumer macroeconomic and pet parent behavior standpoint? And then what do we think that people aren't seeing yet as a solution that they may need? And how do we match those two things to make investments now that will be growing and scaling four to five years from now? It is a little bit of a crystal ball game, but it is also one that we definitely are honored to be able to be a part of. Founders invite us to be a part of their journey, and we're super excited about that. And I think it's really important also to consider team as well. When we look at startups is the last thing I'll say. Team is really important because I know that most companies are not going to look the exact same a year or two years from now because of all the things we've just said. There's so many things we can't see coming. There's so many different pressures. Every few months, there's something new that's being thrown out in the world that's making it harder and harder to be a startup and or to scale your startup. So we kind of have to trust that teams are going to make those adjustments regardless. And so a lot of times when we're looking at an investment, yes, we like the solution. Yes, we believe that there's an opportunity there, but we're also saying we think this team can navigate the ups and downs that are in front of them, most likely and make it to the other side and grow and scale and be a big unicorn. What are some of the successes you're particularly proud of? Have there been any companies that have come before you guys and you went, oh, yes, this is going to be fun. And then you got to watch them go on to success. I expect it's very gratifying overall, but are there any particular ones that you're very proud of having backed? Yes, there's quite a few. We just made six new investments. We have 46 companies now, a total in our portfolio. So yeah, we have an awesome growing portfolio all the time. And I'm so excited to work with all of the founding teams. I think something I'm super excited about is just recent news, which is Smalls, which is a fresh food for cat company. They just raised 19 million and closed their series B about a week ago at the time of this recording. So I'm very excited for them and just really so excited to see them growing. Because again, cat is such an underserved market and category, cat parents aren't being spoken to as much. So to see somebody just be able to get such a high level of success out of that is really wonderful. And it also is serving more more cat parents and more cats, bringing them healthy food. The other one that I'm particularly proud of to have been a part of is Hound, which is a company I mentioned earlier. So Hound is really rethinking, how do we create the best possible experience for people who work in veterinary medicine? And just because I've worked in veterinary medicine, and I've been in hospitals, I know what those ups and downs look like. And so do they, they have that experience. And I think for them to come out and build something that is really truly a solution that's going to address what is challenging at its core and create better culture and create a better experience. And it's going to hopefully draw more people into the industry is really just amazing. And the founding team at Hound is wonderful. And I'm excited to be part of their journey for sure. 
Among all these successes and among the companies you've backed, has there been anything that has surprised you that you didn't see coming or you didn't know there was a need for, but once you learned about it, you were like, this is exactly what we need. This is perfect. Yes. And that category, I would say, really falls under, I would call it communication with our pets. Some of that we've seen from the perspective of Whistle, which is in the Mars portfolio, and a company we invested in that's focused on the cat version of translating data into insights, which is called Moggy, which is a company out of the UK we invested in. And I'm just really excited about this, just this idea of like, how do we take insights and actually translate that into what does that mean for our pet's health? How are they doing? What's different over time? And we sort of have this like live data we have now. And I think, so like that's kind of on the consumer side and at home. And then there's like the veterinary side as well, which I'm super excited about, which is biomonitoring and understanding pain. So there's two companies that pop up for me in there, which is Pain Trace and another company called Manity out of France. And I'm excited about these things because they're giving us more information on what don't we know that's going on with an individual pet in the vet hospital? Like how much pain are they in? So like, for example, most people in veterinary medicine can tell you if a pet is walking with pain. You can see a pet walk and you can say that dog has neck pain, but we don't know how severe it is at that point, right? And we may know how severe it is, but we don't know how they're perceiving that severity. How much pain are pets in and to what level? Also, are the medications we're giving them improving that pain and to what level. And I think so much of that is very exciting just to understand and have these communication tools that are going to allow us to better understand our pets from a physical, mental, and emotional well-being perspective. These kinds of tools, are they building off of things that already exist in the human medicine space, or are they brand new ideas that could also expand into the human medical space? Because I know pain in particular is something that the human medical space is always trying to refine and figure out how to determine how much pain someone is in, because we can communicate as humans, but it's still a very subjective idea. And they can monitor heart rate and blood pressure and things like that. But I find the idea of being able to increase that level of communication between a living thing in pain and how we can alleviate that pain, absolutely fascinating. So is there any cross application there or are any of the ideas coming from the human space and being expanded in the pet space? Handedly, I don't know the answer to that, mostly because I just focus on <laughs> veterinary medicine when I get excited about new things. But I do think both solutions, obviously there's opportunities well beyond what they're working on now. It's just a matter of how and when we use those solutions and bring them into our pet health workflow. And from a veterinary perspective, how do these things help inform us and how do they grow over time? I have no doubt we'll start to see some of these things in human medicine as well. Ideally, there are these solutions that sort of scale out. I think that's ideal for both the founders and of course their investors. But I do think there's a huge opportunity just to better understand what's really going on. Like I was talking to somebody recently and we were talking about even there's this idea of like a fear of pain, which is a whole nother psychological level of what does that mean for people? Does that mean that they feel pain more acutely? Does that mean that the fear causes pain in and of itself? You know, and I think we're just starting to really understand so many of these things in humans and to be able to understand that for pets who can communicate with us only to a certain extent, how game-changing could that be? That is fascinating. 
we have talked about communication. We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about innovation overall. It sounds like there is a lot going on and there are a lot of players who really want to make a difference in the pet care space and really want to continue to drive things forward. What do you think the current state of innovation in pet care means for the future of the pet industry overall and then for the pet food industry in particular? One, I think a lot of the trends that we're seeing means that we still have a ton of tailwinds, right? Like things are continuing to grow and there's lots of data points that show that the pet industry is going to be $300 billion by 2023 or close to it. There's a lot of different things that are showcasing how much this industry is going to grow. And so I think that's something that we're all in it to say, okay, how do we make the best possible outcome for pet health and pet care? as we do that, right? As we continue to grow and scale. And I think that's something that LEAP exists to try to make happen. And any other organization that's also supporting startups and pet care startups in particular is trying to make happen. What does that mean for pet nutrition in particular? I think the idea of individualization is not over. I think we're still very much so in the beginning of that because there's a lot of different layers to it, right? You have your main meal, but you also have the build the bowl strategy, like things with like toppers and you have supplements and then you have functional treats and then you have all types of other things. We've also seen solutions come out that are enhancing water that pets are ingesting as well. And so I think like, as we think about all of the different ways in which we provide our pets food, will we start to see more diversification of that because we understand how good it is for our own digestive system and health to have a healthy but diverse set of products that we consume? How much of that will actually translate to pet care, I think is something really interesting. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me today, Rachel. The pet food industry has so many players already, and I feel like sometimes the barrier to entry can be daunting for these smaller companies and startups looking for a way into the space. But at the same time, it's these new companies coming in with new ideas that can continue to drive the industry forward. So it's really important that they get a chance to exist in the space and This conversation has really given me a feel for how that's happening and what the future might bring. And I think that's fantastic. Before we go, I want to do a little plug. Where can people find more information about you and Leap Venture Studio? To find more information about me, you can find me on LinkedIn. That would be great. To find more information about Leap Venture Studio, you can go to leapventurestudio.com and check out more about our programs as well as our portfolio. Awesome. That is it for this episode of Trending Pet Food. You can find us on PetFoodIndustry.com, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at Trending Pet Food Podcast. And if you want to chat or have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to drop me an email, podcast at PetFoodIndustry.com. Once again, I'm Lindsay Beaton, your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.